Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 302. We are looking at the fall festivals, the Moedim, the appointed times that God said to his people Israel, I have an appointment with you, and it is for a specific purpose. And usually that purpose had something to do with God's nature and what he wanted to share with his people Israel, or to remind them of one of his great and mighty supernatural acts. During these great Moedim in the fall, God had a specific purpose, and that was redemption. But before a man could get to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, he had to first be awakened. That's what the trumpets were all about. It was the beginning of something new. For an entire month, Teshuvah had been taking place, that is, repentance. And then the great days of awe began, ten days from the time of the blowing of the trumpets to the time of Yom Kippur, the Day of Covering, when atonement was made, when a covering was made, waiting for the day when the Messiah would come and fulfill the redemptive purposes and acts of God. But I want to go back to this blowing of the trumpets in Leviticus chapter 23 is where it is first delineated. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is 2323 of Leviticus, speak to the children of Israel saying in the seventh month, and that is from Nisan, from the spring of the year, On the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial, Hazikron, a day to remember, a blowing of the trumpets, Teruah. Yom Teruah is what the other name of Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, is what Rosh Hashanah means. And then you have Yom Teruah, which means the day of the blowing of the trumpets. That's the biblical name in the book of Leviticus. Sometimes it's called Hazikron, that is the day of remembrance, a memorial. All of those refer to the same day, and it's a day when everything is to start new. And this initiated 10 days of repentance, 10 days of all of reflection. And so what I want to do before we go any farther in this study and in these podcasts, I want to deal with repentance because we rarely hear anything about repentance anymore. We hear a lot about trust. We hear a lot about grace. But the way we access the great message of God's grace is through repentance. That's the way it's always been. Now, I want to remind you that the first word of the gospel, the first word out of the mouth of John the Baptist was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first words in that same chapter of the gospel of Mark were the first words out of the mouth of Jesus. Repent. The same thing is true of the apostle Peter. Repent, Acts 2 and verse 38. When they asked the question, having been convicted and cut to the heart, the scripture says, the people ask, what must we do? And Peter said, repent. The same thing is true of the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 20, verse 20, 21, where he says, I cease not day and night 
publicly and from house to house, preaching repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We just don't hear much about repentance anymore because it involves really concentration, reflection. So I want to deal with that because it's very, very important because we've lost this sense of it. And many times people don't even know what repentance means. And so I want to turn to a passage in the book of Hosea. It's about as clear as any place I could find in the scripture that is a microcosm of the greater doctrine of repentance. You know the background and the context of uh, Hosea, I'm sure. Jeroboam II, the most successful of all of the kings of the north as far as world measurements would be concerned. Israel had just reached its height. He passed off the scene 753 B.C. That's 753 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 722 is when the kingdom fell. Just uh, 25 years from the time of the passing of Jeroboam II. And in that 30-year period, six kings turned over in the northern kingdom of Israel. Four were assassinated. It was a very unstable time in the life of the northern kingdom before its fall. But they had just come off of the greatest high they had ever known. Something like what we have just done when our economy was in the last four years in its height. When everything was positive, everything was going well. And all of a sudden, things began to downturn this year. And we are right now swimming in a swamp of our our own making. Our president is uh, weak and inept in many instances, and the nation is uh, divided. Things are not going well right now. And when this happens, it gives a great opportunity for soul searching for the people of God, an opportunity to repent. You see, God brings about hardship in our lives, both those who are lost and those who are saved, to get us to look to Him. When we do, that involves repentance. And so God sent Hosea. Hosea. Hosea lived in the area around Samaria, and so he was from that area. But God sent a fiery prophet from the south who said he was not a prophet nor the son of a prophet by the name of Amos from Tekoa, a village right outside of Bethlehem. I've been in that area many, many times. And so he was uh, from Judah, and he was sent north with a message. And you can read about it. It's a fiery message from Amos. And both were prophesying during this time. And Hosea said these words in chapter 14. O Israel, return to the Lord your God. The word return there is the word shuv. That's right, where we get to Shuva. And so, again, in verse 4, he says, I will heal your backsliding. There again is another form of that word shuv. Well, what does it mean? Well, most will tell you it means to turn, and indeed it does. But out of all the times it's translated in our English Bibles, by far, 265 times it is translated, return. And so it is a message not just for lost people, it is those who are not followers of God. It is a message for those of us who have turned back away from the Lord, having known Him, having tasted to see that the Lord is good. And we backslide, we turn away, we go back in the same way that we came as a dog returns to its vomit. And indeed, that's the word. And so we have to come to the point to where we have to ask the question, what does that mean? What does 
does it mean to repent? And over the next few days, I want to talk to you about repentance because, yes, we're going to look at the word shuv, which means to turn or better return. But we're also going to look at the New Testament and the word that's used in the Septuagint in the Old Testament primarily, which is the word metanoiel or one of its derivatives. And what that means is to change your mind. You see, there's never going to be a change in direction until we change our thoughts. There'll never be a change in our attitude until there's a change in our thought pattern. There'll never be a change in our conduct that's consistent unless our thought pattern changes, our attitude pattern changes, and then that will affect our conduct. And so many times people have come to me uh, truly seeking the Lord and they say, what are the ingredients of repentance is how do I know that I've truly repented if I go back and do this same thing over and over again have I really repented well those are great questions and we need to look at them and so I want to just go over these very quickly and then in the days ahead in these podcasts we're going to deal with repentance why because Rosh Hashanah the blowing of the trumpets Yom Teruah the Hazikron the remembrance the memorial has to do with Not just a new start, but a new start that's based upon repentance and redemption. One that is a new start on a new beginning that's based upon a new direction. It's not just continuing on. People say, well, I asked Jesus to come into my heart when I was a child, but was there any change in my life? I asked the Lord to come into my life when I was 12 years old, but you know, I did what all people do, and that is I sowed wild oats until I was 30 years old or until I got out of college. And you know, that's what all people do who are saved. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's not ordinary. That's extraordinary. That is not the life and pattern of the New Testament. First of all, when you are old enough to make a decision, when you say, yes, I want to be saved, well, it's more than asking Jesus into your blood pumper. That may be a step toward God, but a man's not saved until he understands something of the nature of substitution. You can take a lot of steps toward God, and a man and a child even can come to the point to where they really understand what it means to ask Jesus in their heart. And I'm not talking about a certain age. I'm talking about a certain mindset because, yes, you can take steps toward God just like Abraham did, just like all of us did. We're led to God incrementally. But the fact is there is a point when you pass from death unto life, when you're born again, when life comes in, you're dead and now you're alive. And that's what the Bible teaches, but we don't like to teach that because many times parents are more interested in their children making a decision than making sure whether they're really saved or not. The fact is a child has to understand something of the substitutionary nature of what Jesus did for him. Now, you can argue about that with me all you want to. That's okay, but I'm not arguing with you about it. I just know that in the Bible that a person had to make a volitional decision to follow Jesus Christ, and it was a radical life change. When someone's 10 years old and they are saved, let's just say 10, there's going to be a change in their attitude. Now, of course, a, a girl is not going to be out in harlotry and drugs and so forth, or most will not be at 10. You're not going to find a young boy that's out in deep sin at that point from the standpoint of what we normally label as the biggies. But the reality is there has to be a change in a person's attitude, and they have to be aware of that. That's just what the Bible teaches. And we don't like that a whole lot because uh, that affects us. And I'm not 
trying to get anyone to doubt their salvation. I want to confirm to you that there has to be a turning away from something and a turning to God, and there has to be an awareness of that, or it's not repentance. There has to be a change of mind, and it cannot be, well, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot to change. Well, then you haven't understood that you're a sinner. This is big. And the blowing of the trumpets was a wake-up call. And I mean the very blowing of the trumpet itself and the type of blast that came out of it, part of those blasts were designed to wake up. They're like wake-up calls. It's like an alarm. So we'll get into that more in the days ahead. But I want to go over these aspects of repentance, and I want you to think about it. Again, I'm not arguing with you about this. Sometimes people say, well, I want you to convince me of this. Well, I'm not convincing you of anything if If you're already a child of God, get in the book yourself. And if it is a cardinal doctrine, I'll be delighted to do the best I can to persuade you according to the biblical text. But if it's something that's secondary, tertiary, that really doesn't matter and it's all speculation, I'm not going to spend time doing that. But repentance is a big deal. And it's a cardinal doctrine of salvation. So I want to deal with this because the blowing of the trumpets, the 30 days prior to the blowing of the trumpets, the 10 days after the blowing of the trumpets have to do with teshuva, of repentance, of a returning to God. The first element of repentance is forsaking something. It is turning from something. It's shuv. It's going 180 degrees in the other direction. If he's talking about the people of God, then he's talking about turning back to God. God, once you've turned to him and you began to slide back into that old way of thinking, that old lifestyle, you've got to once again repent and turn to God. That doesn't mean you get saved again. It just simply means that you get back on the road that God put you on to begin with. So repentance has the element of forsaking something. It has the idea of moving from one direction toward something else. And of course, that is toward God himself. Secondly, there's the aspect of repentance that deals with regret. You say, well, people can regret something that they got caught in. Well, yes, and you should regret something if you get caught in it. But that regret is a part of repentance because regret means I don't want to do that again, and I'm sorry about what I did. So there is an element of repentance that has sorrow to it. And some people say, well, I know I repented, I cried. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about a deep regret that I have hurt God. I've wounded God. I've wounded others. I've hurt others. I've hurt the name of God himself. And I have brought shame to the name of Jesus, the Messiah. I've brought shame to my family. There is that sense of regret and remorse that goes along with repentance. That's not what it is, but it's an element of it. And then there is the element of confession. And confession is not just admitting something. No, we'll go into homologeo in the New Testament, and I'll deal with 1 John 1, 9 and other like passages where we talk about agreement with God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? And so we're going to look at the elements of confession that is far more than just naming sins. That's why some people, after they get through naming their sins, if there is no repentance with that, if there is no forsaking of that, if there is no regret in that, if there is no remorse in that, if there is no agreeing with God that it's you to blame and not anyone else, and you're the one that did it, you're the one that made the choice, and dealing with that, bringing forth fruit that shows you have repented. Yes, all of that is involved in confession, and we'll deal with that when we deal with that, and I'll give you illustrations of that. And then ultimately, 
If you're going to repent, there has to be a point when all of these elements are in your repentance, but then there has to be a receiving of the grace of God. You see, repentance allows us to quit relying on ourselves and receive and accept the grace of God. It's a gift. And forgiveness is a gift. It's always a gift. Even when we forgive, we don't forgive people because they deserve it. Forgiveness doesn't take two. Forgiveness takes one, and that's the one that's wounded. See, in order for you to forgive someone, you've got to bear the cost completely. And you can't say, well, um, you know, they've never said they're sorry, so I'm not going to forgive them. No, that is when reconciliation takes place, when there is a reconciliation between two, a reconciling. That takes two people. Reunion takes two people. Getting together takes two people. But forgiveness only takes one. Now, that other person may not ever receive the gift of forgiveness that you've given them. They may not ever be reconciled to you, but forgiveness has to do with the person who has been wounded. All of that has to do with repentance. You see, when we repent, we understand that we don't even deserve the ability to repent, but God in His great mercy grants that to us, and in that are all these elements I'm talking about and more. So I want to deal with this idea of repentance for a couple of podcasts because it's very important. I'm not trying to make this difficult. I'm trying to help you to understand that repentance is the primary word in the vocabulary of salvation. And if we're ever going to experience God, then we're going to have to learn what it means to repent before we're saved and after we're saved. Because you see, the blowing of the trumpets, Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, means wake up and begin a new direction. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.